Hello there, this is Hector Vladimir, again, this third episode of Living Off the Grid in the City. And I just wanted to, in this short episode, discuss two main points, two quick points about the disadvantages of being part of the current energy system or supporting it. I wanted to cover a few points on how the system is addictive and will make you depend on it. I went over some of this aspect very briefly in the last uh, first show, I believe it was. But since I went over it uh, very broadly, I would like to uh, zoom in and uh, develop a bit more. Also, I would like to discuss or develop a bit further the disadvantage when it comes to war and conflict. I did touch on this topic on episode 2, but I would like to again revisit this topic and expand just a bit more on this uh, very important disadvantage. First, dependence. I advocate alternative energies in very large part because of independence, the ability to be independent from centralized power production. I believe this to be very important because dependence is many times a dangerous situation. At the very least, it could be quite inconvenient or become quite inconvenient. It could be dangerous, I believe, because when you depend on something outside of yourself, outside of your immediate access, capabilities, skill, you're exposing yourself to all kinds of problems, failures, setbacks, even your own safety could be at risk. For example, if you're an elderly person or a very young person in the care of an adult that completely depends on company provided electric power for example and there is a unexpected power outage like they often occur due to either malfunctions or natural events you could be putting yourself at health risk or even safety risk if you completely depend on the system and have no other way of providing yourself or the one that you're caring for with the services and the and the functions provided by electric power for example if you have a disability like a breathing disability some kind of heart issues, cardiovascular disability, or you need a machine that must be energized to operate, and you depend on this outlet power that's coming out of your wall for this machine, very critical machine to operate, you're very foolishly and naively exposing yourself to becoming very ill or even die if the power were to go out, which is very common in many areas. Power outages, brownouts, blackouts, are not unusual in a lot of areas, even here in the United States, more so in other countries here in the Americas. So it is quite inconvenient and even dangerous to completely depend on grid power, usually single provider. And this is because not only for disabled persons, but it could also extend to just a regular average person. You depend completely on power, have no way of backing it up, no way of uh, having any kind of backup power, your life could become very inconvenient in the blink of an eye, literally. The power goes out, you have no way of charging any communication devices, as many people have now only cell phone service. What good is a cell phone without any charged batteries? What good is a tablet or laptop device without any kind of power to operate it? Even though you may have the internet service intact, however you may have it through cell phone service, what good is that service without any power? So becoming completely dependent on company provided power is 
at the very least highly inconvenient. It could be dangerous to health, to disabled folks, because of the many medical apparatus that need that power. A lot of them do have batteries, but batteries do discharge. Not only disabled folks, but regular folk could become sick and even die. Young babies, infants, very elderly folk could become ill during very hot or very cold periods. Many areas here of the United States get quite hot in the summer. Climbing into the triple digits, this could become a very dangerous situation, especially inside of homes where ventilation is not optimal, where the homes designed in many areas that I've seen, from my experience, I mean, they're just furnaces. They're not well ventilated. They have very small amount of windows. Windows are rather small. And it's a pain to open up some of these windows. I mean, the homes in many areas of the country, perhaps most, are just designed to have an AC cranked up inside 24-7. They're not conducive to you trying to save energy by opening up windows and just letting fresh air in. They're designed to keep an artificial atmosphere going by a powerful AC, a power hog AC. So it could become a dangerous situation if power were to go out and you had no way of backing that power up or replacing it with your own means, local means, hot weather, cold weather, very humid weather, very dry weather could affect health, could impact health and very dramatically in some individuals. For example, in France, there was a massive heat wave that swept through the country. And this is a European nation that has a lot of homes that are well ventilated. They're not designed to have any AC units providing a completely manufactured atmosphere inside. I mean, these homes are designed to ventilate and keep the home cool in the summer and warm in the winter. And even then, they had very many power outages combined with very hot weather, a heat wave that was a record breaker. And this caused many deaths, especially of infants and elderly folks. Estimated to have caused about 70,000 deaths in Europe. Going back to my point of dependence on traditional electric grid is highly inconvenient at times and even dangerous. I will go into ways to offset this, not in this episode, but in future episodes, as this episode stays within the theme of disadvantages of supporting the current grid system. The power company delights itself in knowing that they're the only show in town. That's nearly absolute power over your funds, over your care, and this is dangerous. This dependence opens all kinds of opportunities for abuse, opens all kinds of chances for neglect in part of the company to customers, even though this is not apparent, but it is a reality. This reality is just delivered by the situation. If you have a situation where one party has a lot of power and the other party is just defenseless, I mean, even though there may be an agreement for abuse not to take place, I mean, the potential is just there. It could happen in any minute. The snap of a finger and one party is at a very, very inconvenient disadvantage and suffering. The other is just with a slight grin, with his hands crossed, just waiting for the party at a disadvantage to deliver and pay up.
So what dependence is very inconvenient and it's just wrong and immoral in my mind. There should always be some type of balance. The way the system is set up right now, that balance is highly skewed towards the power company. They have the power, even though it's supposedly controlled, to shut you off as they often do when there's a non-payment and deny service until payment is delivered, which is very many times abusive, unfair, and just is very inconvenient. The high rate of charges, which, by the way, changes from time to time, depending on the time of the year, especially during high demand periods, the rates go up. This is to maximize the power company's income or the power company's bottom line. There's no other explanation for it. Yes, they claim is for maintenance. Yes, they claim is to maintain the infrastructure. But, for example, in Florida, when a hurricane comes through, and your power goes out for two weeks and you get a bill that's twice as large as the one you're used to that tells you that the two weeks that you had no power there's no discount there if there is a discount if the power was not charged during that time the profit is made up just by raising the rate of the power that you did get that month they cover all of their repairs and all of the reconnections and infrastructure maintenance with the customers money and this is not a fund that they have that they tap into whenever they need to from the regular charges that they make every month to all their customers. The power companies seem to raise their rates to cover for future projects, to cover for natural disasters, to cover for high demand periods. If it was a halfway fair system, there would be no noticeable or drastic change in your rate, it's hourly rate for power. They call it kilowatt hour there would be no drastic increase on your kilowatt hour rate. But unfortunately this doesn't happen, there is. Oftentimes when there is a heat wave or a winter storm come through, your power rate goes up dramatically. Your kilowatt hour rate is not your consumption. I've gotten power bills that are more than double of my usual power consumption. And even though I know this is not true because of my habits, my habits do not change let alone double from one month to the next as far as power consumption. But yet, I get these bills that are sometimes three times as much as some other months throughout the year. I'm a very conscious power user. I do have power from the grid, as minimal as possible, but I still do have it. And this is out of necessity. And the savings are just not reflected nine times out of ten. The savings I try to achieve are not reflected on my power bill and this is an experience that many people have had that I've shared with. Many people complain no matter what they do, no matter how much power they try to save, their power bill seems to be the same or more. And I believe this is just a pattern. This is just something that happens very consciously in part of the power company where they jack up rates and even average out usage depending on what time of year, how hot it got during the last month was the power demand from your neighborhood. So it's not just on you, it's on your neighbors, it's on the, the whole community. Your power bill is gonna be higher or lower that month. Don't think for a minute that you watching your meter is gonna allow you to get charged for what you used and that's all. Try it, write your meter numbers down every month and you will be disappointed to see that no matter what efforts you put in, to save power, you will see that in most areas, your power bill will remain about the same. 
if not climb steadily higher. Everyone, I believe, should be paying for what they uh, use and not a single penny more. And unfortunately, that's not the way it is. That's not the way the system's set up. They claim, they even recognize this, and they say if it was, power would not be affordable. So we basically have what could be called communistic power usage, and we all pay for your neighbor's power use habits, regardless how bad they are. You share some of your neighbor's bill. Otherwise, they say power could not be affordable. So we have to basically, as a community, pay a little bit for everybody's power use. Going back to my points of depending on power being even dangerous, if you cannot function without power, you're putting yourself at risk. Try it. Go for one day without power in the United States in modern society in the city. You will see you may not even be able to send your kids to school, go to work, or even live happily. You may go into a slight or even deep depression. Turn off your power. Your food may spoil for most households. You will have zero entertainment. You will have problems navigating at night. You may not be able to even take showers because the water here in the States is usually so cold, even in the summertime, that it would be like pulling teeth just to take a shower. The cold water would not be a pleasant experience there, something you look forward to doing. You would probably skip showers. If you cannot function again without power, you're putting yourself at risk. Communities get power outages. They don't happen too often, but outside of the United States, they happen quite often. And that's why people in other countries are a lot more prepared than people here in the United States. Generators don't sell a whole lot for backup power generation. They're mostly used for remote applications or other applications. Most people don't even have flashlights ready. Candles are out of the question. Non-perishable foods are a rarity when it comes to preparedness for power outages. People being able to live without an air conditioner on all the time, out of the question. People cannot be indoors without having an AC on. You try to open someone's window just to get some fresh air in the house, you probably get reprimanded or told off. If you could even open that window, that window is probably, it's got so much dust caked in its tracks that you cannot even slide it open. As you take a stroll or a walk or a drive down a average neighborhood, you see, for the most part, zero windows opened, even in the most pleasant of days. It could be 72 degrees, 10% humidity out there, and everybody's got their AC cranked to the coolest setting inside. It's an outrageous practice, energy wasteful, but it's just something, like I said before, put out there by guess who? The traditional power and energy industry. Water heaters have no on and off switch, have no timers as they should. I mean, they got water heaters now with digital readouts, and nowhere in there will you find a timer to shut that thing off and on, especially during downtime where no one's at home and you obviously do not need it to come on even to keep the water warm. I shut my water heater off at home during the day, first thing in the morning. That thing will keep that water warm all the way to later in the evening to wash dishes, to wash your hands. And later in the evening, everyone is ready to take a shower. I flip the switch back on. The water heater comes on, heats the water up some more, and it's ready to provide everyone with uh, warm showers. And guess what? I flip that switch off as soon as I go to bed. No one's going to tell me that keeping that water heater on with that 
heating element of about six to eight thousand watts is going to save me power in the long run. I know some about electronics and electricity to know that that's not true. That's a myth put out there by the same authorities and the same entities that sell you that power for a profit. So not for a second buy it. Do not buy it. Attempt to save energy as much as possible whenever possible. It is dangerous to depend on power, not because it makes you not be able to function without it, live life without it, as most people are today, but also it bonds you, makes you a slave, makes you a good little supporter of the industry. Naturally, that's what they want. They basically want you to be very encouraged to keep paying that bill. No question about it. I mean, they're looking out for themselves. That's money in their pocket whenever you do pay that bill. So why not do anything in their power to keep you paying that bill? One way to do it, give you no other options. Or at least give you the sense that there is no other viable option. They basically put all the other options as highly inconvenient. I generally get a magazine at home. We just automatically subscribe to it from our local power company, which they call it an electric cooperative. They subscribe you to this magazine called GEMC Georgia Magazine, which is basically a mouthpiece for the power company. And they shoot down and downplay and belittle, and continuously they attack alternative forms of energy. Why? Just like I said, looking out for their own, looking out for themselves. They attack solar, specifically photovoltaics, wind, geothermal. Power companies even have these little stores set up throughout town where they basically take in gas, equipment, refrigerators, water heaters, stoves, and for a discounted price, they give you this nice new and shiny electric modern appliance. Take in your old gas appliance rusty, ugly gas appliance, and they'll give you this new futuristic looking or modern looking electric appliance. Why is that? Why go through the heartache of trying to dispose of this old equipment, trying to sell you another piece of equipment that's brand new, supposedly discounted? Why go through that heartache, especially when you have a Lowe's, Sears, Walmart nearby that sells or Home Depot that sells the same items. They even probably offer you credit and easy payments on and probably a better brand, better quality. These little stores cannot ever compete with big chains. I mean, they would be out of business in a heartbeat were not for that they're supported by the power company. They're props being kept in business by the power company. And their goal is clearly to keep up the establishment of taking out other alternative forms of energy as LP, liquid propane, natural gas, taking those out of the picture, out of the situation. They don't want those as factors. They want everyone to have electric appliances. They know that electric appliances are the biggest power consumers in the home. Stoves, water heaters, AC units, dishwashers. And they will do everything in their power, everything possible, to make sure most people have electric appliances in their home. So they can keep using their power, they can keep growing. They do not make money, enough money, to maintain that store viably operating. It's just not possible. I do not buy it for a second. So these stores are there for a purpose, and it's to spread the use of electric appliances.
does support your local friendly and customer service oriented power company. That is very monopolistic, very dictatorial, and it's basically making you their slaves. By taking away all of your other alternatives, you're becoming the power company's slave. If you cannot even cook your food, warm, boil water in your stove because it's electric and it depends on the power grid to operate, you're putting yourself in a very dangerous situation. If during a power outage, and this is without even going into what it would be like if a long-term upheaval or crisis were to happen. This is not even going into that. If a crisis were to happen, multiply what I'm telling you about this inconvenience and safety issues with being without power. Multiply that by about 100, and you'll see where I would be going with that. Just to keep it in the regular one-day power outage, if you cannot keep your food cool, if you cannot warm your food or cook it, if you cannot boil water to be able to make it potable or to drink it, you're looking for life-threatening situations. If you have to plug in your fan to the wall or nothing else, you're exposing yourself to some dire situations, especially during the summer months. Again, if you have any kind of work to accomplish, either through telecommunications, cell phone, computer equipment, a fax machine, copiers, a lot of people do a lot of work at home nowadays with ever-evolving economy. You're putting yourself at risk by, by just exposing yourself to just being dependent on the grid power. Again, there are many alternatives. I will show you what those are, tell you about it. I'm not trying to sell a product here. I will evenly and uh, even though I'm in the solar business, I will not just only show you what I have for you. I will show you many technologies that are available for you for free without even considering me. And also we'll introduce other or share other technologies including wind, water, small scale geothermal, not your usual volcanic area geothermal as they have out there now. And other power saving and survival habits to make sure you are able to live, you are able to operate normally even without power. Power is not a requirement for you to live, so don't allow it to be. You can grow very comfortable and very dependent on power and allow your guard to come down and eventually get hit. Do not grow complacent with your electric power. Do not grow so dependent on it that you may be putting yourself in danger were it to go away, which is a very real possibility. Very quickly to go over the conflict issues with the power generation industry as it is right now. Like I mentioned before, most conflicts, if not all of them I would say, have been triggered in major part at the very least over energy resources. And this is especially true since the Industrial Revolution in the late 1800s. Oil reserves are the modern day's gold. That's why they call it black gold. Every country wants it every president wants to tap into it to have enough reserves for the future and this is understandably but the practices used to secure it are just appalling countries and militaries governments kill pillage invade and abuse enslave for this resource most recently the invasion of iraq afghanistan were triggered by interests in oil deposits and in those regions. The 
Afghanistan is known to have one of the world's largest natural gas deposits, as it is very close to Russia, which is in the Urals, which is an area that is very wealthy when it comes to natural energy deposits, perhaps oil, but mostly known as natural gas, to my recollection. Iraq is known to have one of the world's largest reserves itself. This is of crude oil, and it's no surprise that without any credible pretext, we as a nation invaded Iraq. Not to get into the political side of the invasion, Iraq's oil facilities were among the first areas of the country to be secured by the military. While Baghdad was in ruins and looters were out in the street, even the National Museum being looted and pillaged, while that was going on in the streets of Baghdad, the oil fields were very highly secured. Like I said, the first things to be secured. One can only wonder why. Conflict for oil is highly common. China is in constant conflict with Japan, even though not armed, but political struggle, territorial disputes are common with Japan and other nations. I want to bring up a list to share. Conflict and war has uh, traditionally been fueled by oil and energy deposits, energy resources. This goes back even to World War One, where Germany and many of the nations that fought each other fought each other in certain areas because of the energy resources that that area held. Make sure they secured those areas and used them for themselves. North Africa was uh, occupied during World War II in large part because of the wealthy deposits of energy resources in that area. The Arabian Peninsula was taken over and invaded many times by several nations, lastly the Arabs. And even though oil was not discovered until after the Arabs have already settled a very coveted area after the discovery of the largest oil reserves on Earth. It is a highly volatile region of the planet, the Middle East, Israel, Jordan, Syria. Syria has been at war. It's had a civil war highly fueled by its resources. There was just a report put out that about a quarter million people have died in that conflict alone. Quarter million. Saudi Arabia invaded Yemen. Why? In large part to protect their territory, which is a jewel when it comes to energy resource to protect their stability, as they call it. Why? To keep that machine working, that well-oiled machine literally turning. They want to make sure that there's no interruption in the pumping of oil, thus in their steady income. The Israeli-Arab wars of the late 70s, early 80s was largely fueled by possession of oil-rich lands, like the Sinai region. Many, many of the wars throughout the world, including those of the First World War and the Second World War, were fought over oil resources for the most part. Because ever since the invention of the combustion engine, the airplane, the car, or even the train, oil, coal, and other energy resources have been very coveted and very sought after at any cost, even at the cost of war and annihilation of whole communities and even countries. We'll have to leave it at that or we'll pick this up at another show.
this topic of conflict because of energy resources is a monster topic that will require a lot of uh, research and a lot of uh, sharing and hopefully I'll be able to do at least a commendable part of that, a commendable effort to cover many of the areas on that topic. Appreciate you listening. Hope to attract your attention again at a later time and have a great rest of your day or evening. Thank you. So purely, I'm pushing myself to the edge, lying and go away. Been testing myself by the worst, I've been pushing my mind to the most. I've been loving the people around me, but so paranoid, so paranoid, yeah.